listening to episode 234 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season four of TNT's The Librarians. Uh, how you doing on this Monday evening? We have been recording on Tuesdays, but we're back to Monday. Yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, it's like uh, going to Buffalo for a couple of days for a funeral, so had to uh, do a lot of work uh, the last couple of days to try and get exams made up and copies made and subs arranged and everything. So I think I finally uh, am able to, to now got everything put away now for that. So Yeah, I think one thing that people don't realize with teachers is I think most of us, once you've done it for a while, it, it's easier just to go in than it is to take off. I mean, you've yeah. got to really be sick <laughs> to, to yeah. stay away. Well, that's but. what my wife is like. You never take sick days. I'm like, it's because it's horrible because <laughs> it's such it's so much work to take off like if i'm you know i mean if i'm puking or something i'm not going to go in but you know unless i'm like really sick i'm going in because it's just it's there's so you know, like just so much goes into like not going in and then and then half the stuff you prepare doesn't get done because you get sometimes you get like some goof of a sub who uh you know doesn't do what you you put out in the plans and and it's all, all that work is just down the toilet yeah well you almost had a goof of a sub if uh, i know but the so, goof can't even get himself goofed into the system <laughs> all right well anyway uh, that was so now, perfect i'm like man like the journalism kids are gonna walk in and there's gonna be dave and they're just gonna they're gonna be like mr man yeah, you know, they're just gonna go crazy. It'd be it was I, I, like it was, it was. I had this this whole scene in my head about how it would go. But all right, well, I don't have a pick of the week necessarily, but I finally did finish Downton Abbey, and uh, again, I know it's not genre, but really enjoyed it a lot. And uh, of course, now we're like struggling to figure out what we're going to watch next. And uh, you probably don't watch Victoria uh, either, which is uh, another. Actually, it's ITV in England, and then PBS picked it up over here right. with Jenna Coleman playing Queen Victoria, and and yeah, of course she's awesome. But uh, you know, yeah, I heard a lot of good things about that, and and of course our other, you've mentioned a couple of times The Crown with our other Doctor Who alum, Matt yeah, Smith. Matt Smith. So yep. So, but what are you watching, or what's okay. your okay? Well, or my pick, I got work? a solid pick of the week. And this is a show you mentioned last week, and I, I told you I was curious about it, and that's uh, Electric Dreams on Amazon. And it was, okay. it, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was super exceptional, but it was very good. Um, I, I, I've I, only seen the Hoodmaker, the first one. Yeah, which is that might have been the best episode. That was a really, really good episode. I kind of knew whichever way that. You you thought it was going to go. There's going to be the ironic twist at the end. You, know, you just that's the thing. Like you you watch enough of these shows and, and you know the ironic twist is coming. You can almost kind of like expect it. But uh, it's it's good. You know it's really good. Obviously, um, you know it's it's hard to say because norm if it you know it's based on the the short stories of Philip K. Dick. So to say that it's a lot like Black Mirror is kind of disingenuous because obviously. Philip K. Dick's short stories came first. So probably it's more appropriate to say that Black Mirror is heavily influenced by the works of Philip K. Dick. And so this new TV series, because it, because it is uh, based on Philip K. Dick's uh, stories, it's much like Black Mirror. 
Yeah, and I think it's a reasonable comparison to make. But yeah, as you said, I, I think you have to give credit where credit is due. Sure. And now the one thing I have read, and, and again, who knows, uh, is that saying that they are based pretty loosely based. But oh. but again, I you know, do I trust the critics that? You know, reviews I read, I, I don't know. You know, did they read all the short stories? And then I, I, I don't know. But uh, either way, I, I'm going to go back when I get a chance and, and watch a few more. And it, it appears like Black Mirror. You don't have to watch them in any particular order, right? You which don't. is always good. So, and, but they're really good. They're, I mean, they they got top notch actors in them, as you saw um, yours with. Um, you know, Terrence Howard was in it, and Anna Paquin. You know, they got some really fantastic actors. Uh, the stories are good. And, and, like, you know, I think the good thing that comes up for me is now I totally want to go out and get a collection of Philip K. Dick short stories and, and, and read the crap out of that because yeah. just these shows were – and so, I, like, I don't know how closely they, you know, followed the stories because I haven't read really anything by Philip K. Dick, which I, I admitting that maybe is – I'm shaming myself in front of the world right now, but uh, but I definitely that's probably like the next thing I'm going to read. I'm going to go out and get a collection of short stories. So, you know, if that came out of it at least. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, want to remind you guys. Love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com. Go to the website. Leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip. Send us the MP3 as an attachment. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch and encourage you, as always, to join the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So before we get into librarians, just want to make a quick plug for our Patreon page. You know, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can go to our website at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch.podbean.com and find the Patreon link over on the right side. Or just go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. And, of course, Wayne and I would appreciate it. But no pressure. All right. Librarians. <laughs> Episode 403 written by Nicole Ranadive. And, and this is her first episode of The Librarians and directed by Noah Wiley. I guess I didn't realize. I mean, I knew he'd directed before, but this yeah. is his fourth. He did uh, I think he's, 205. He's written a couple, too. I think you're right. I, I didn't even think to look there, but he wrote 205 and the hollow men, uh, 303 librarians in the reunion of evil. And then 308 librarians and the eternal question. And then of course this one aired December 20th, 2017. You know, the first thing I thought was, all right, yeah, another solid librarians Christmas episode. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back and looked, this is really only the second. You know, season one, Librarians and the Sand right. and Sand's sure, Midnight sure. Run. Yep, that was the big one. Season three had an episode that aired on Christmas night, but it wasn't a Christmas-themed story. Okay. So this is really only the second <clears throat> Christmas episode that uh, the Librarians has had, and wow. I thought it was awesome. I, I really liked it. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it too. It was, it was great. Uh, I'm totally sucker for holiday themed shows this was right up there it's great you know like like uh i don't obviously still doctor who christmas episode is still probably a little bit more special but uh i, I do enjoy the librarians christmas specials they are up there for me now as well 
Right. And I mean, it certainly had a lot of really positive thematic ideas in this one. You, you didn't feel like you were being bludgeoned over the head by them. You know, the fact that we got to see a more Ezekiel centric story was great. And that whole idea of St. Nicholas, who apparently is the patron saint of repentant thieves, among other things, things that St. Nicholas is the patron saint of. Okay. But, you know, I really love how they blended all that together. And uh, yeah, just in terms of did I like this one better than Santa's Midnight Run? Ah, you had Bruce Campbell. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a tall order. That's a tall order, but uh, we had Stephen Weber. Now, I don't know if you remember the show Wings. I was about to say Wings, man. Of course I remember Wings. I love that show. 1990 to 1997, it was huge at the time. And and certainly 1990, we have cable television, of course, but we didn't have the plethora of channels and choices that we have today. So... You know, over-the-air TV was still pretty big, and, and it was a pretty cool show. Now, he was also in Helix, which I had forgotten about, yep. and no, I remember been in Helix, I Zombie. Yeah. Yes. So. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's, I, he's great. I love seeing Steven Weber. Like, when, you know, you first see him, it's, it's you know, it's okay, so maybe it's not quite the Bruce Campbell jolt you get. But there's still a jolt. You get like, ah, Stephen Weber, awesome. You know, like you just, wow, you know, this episode just stepped it up a little bit, you know, when you, yeah, you see yeah. Stephen Weber there. Yeah, I mean, just everything about him, his mannerisms, the little the little goatee. I mean, he's perfect for the librarians because he's evil, but this is the librarian. So, you know, he's not that evil. And, yeah, and he doesn't like, yeah, right. Because honestly, overall, they stole his stuff, and he was exacting revenge for it. And what's he going to do? He's the patron saint of thieves, so, you know. Now, as I said earlier, I, I love the fact that we get to see Ezekiel's family because uh, you know, we, we certainly saw a Jake Stone-centric episode, actually even a couple, where we got to see his father. We got to see more of his you know, upbringing, a little bit of his background. You know, we, we've seen me just a, a little bit of Cassandra, certainly not as much. So it was great to see Ezekiel, and he comes from a family of thieves and a mother that has adopted four children. And, you know, it, it's funny because she really comes across as kind of a paradox, you know? I mean, certainly there's an irony that this is the mother who is a thief, trains her children to be thieves, yet apparently showered them with love because right. that's one of the things he mentions. Sure. Sure. Well, you can see that even at the table there, you know, she's very proud of her daughters. Um, she calls like Ezekiel Zeke. Like she has fondness for him. She's not harsh with him. She's a little clueless about him, but you know, unfortunately, even as a parent, I can say that that is the fault of parents probably of all times and all ages that, we don't really know what's going on with our kids. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I wrote in my notes that it's not exactly a David Copperfield situation. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, David Copperfield, that was where, uh, I can't remember that character. He's the magician, name, right? It's all these. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> where he gets all those young kids together to steal for him on oh, the that's, street. Oh, that's not David Copperfield. That's Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. Thank Fagan. you. Okay. Uh, 
Right, oh, exactly. Man. So, so just one year so out, it, not even. I know. <laughs> so it's not really that kind of a situation. I mean, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, they are stealing for her, but there just seems to be, uh, you know, something much more familial there, as opposed to, like you said, with Oliver Twist. Yeah, I should have known that because my mother, when she was a, a drama, I say she's teacher a drama director, teacher. I remember you telling me that. And she did that play on at least one occasion. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing is that sign when they're in the bank of thieves, maintain the honor. And right. I love it because you know right away, and I think it's Ezekiel that says, well, no, maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. But who says honor among thieves, which, of course, is a common phrase. But, right. I mean, there's certainly a certain honor among the librarians and that's sort of what this episode is about is that jones has broken that code and i don't even want to say unspoken because it it's spoken very, very frequently spoken. sure that, you know that you don't reveal the secrets of the library and yet he does it anyway yeah he just he does it like in a blaze of glory right he doesn't even well i guess he, he's just not thinking you know but he's just like so as he says, you know, like, you know, family, they get all up in your face and he just slings open the door and walks his master thief mother into the library. It's like, well, right, right. But it, it all goes back to, though, he just apparently wants to go home. Right. I mean, right. he, you know, Joan, uh, Stone and, and Cassandra are decorating. Stone is still fascinated with Santa's sleigh and they turn around and Jones is gone. And, and he's just simply gone home to be with his family. And, it, and it's when they start making fun of him and they don't believe him that it, it just gets the better of him. And, and it's certainly a callback to episode 401. He just wants some recognition for what right. he's done with his life. And and, and then you, you get to the end of it, he, he just wants his mom to be proud of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, he's not even looking for recognition. Really. He just, yeah, he wants his mom to be proud of him, which, you know. Well, it's kind of the major irony of the, this aspect of the story. He wants his mom to be proud of him, not for what ordinarily she would be proud of him for, which which is stealing. And, you know, he, he falters as we said, but his friends are there to help him fix things. And if there's one detail in in the episode that, that I love the most, it's the fact that they call Jenkins. He helps them with no strings. Right. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to tell Eve and I'm not going to tell Flynn. Don't do it again. But I, I really yeah. love the fact that, that he does that. He, he doesn't chastise them overly. He, you know, he's just there to talk them through. And then, right. of course, I, I assume it's him that comes up with the, you know, the solution at the end. Yeah. Well, he's kind of like an older brother now, right? Like, I don't know if it's yeah. because of his now mortal state, but, um, you know, he's like, okay, well, here's how to fix it. I won't tell mom and dad, you know, kind of like that, which then, again, we we see with uh, Ezekiel's family, uh, you know, the older siblings, well, I don't know if they're older or not, but just, you know, his, his sisters who make fun of him and, uh, you know, like they all keep saying, oh, and that, remember that year you brought home that stupid egg? And he's like, it was a Fabergé. And they just like laugh at him and everything. So it's just really funny because well, anytime really in comedy, when we see a, a character who 
has self-importance being brought down the peg, especially by his or her siblings. I mean, that's always going to be pretty funny because, you know, anyone who has siblings kind of gets that, right? Well, right. And of course, it's funny that his mom finds it difficult to believe he's famous. But then, as you mentioned, the the thing with the siblings, he's got all women in his life. Mm-hmm. So to have grown up as the only male in the in the household had to be difficult as well, because as you said, you could see the dynamic that that family has. So they, they probably had a lot of fun around the dinner table, a lot of fun. But, you know, and it's funny, because not, not to tease the Christian Kane interview, but when I was talking to him about, uh, you know, the cast getting together to watch the first episodes, John Kim wasn't going to be there because he'd gone home to Australia to be with his own family. But he said... He's usually, if there's anybody we tease, it's usually him. <laughs> so, so, all right. Well, we got the opening scene, Bank of Thieves, and we learn that the head of the bank seeks the vessel. So, uh, obviously, we've got this uh, not necessarily ominous item, but certainly gives something the name of the vessel. And we're thinking, like, what the heck is it? And of course, we learn later on. Right. Well, it has uh, some like kind of pseudo religious overtones to it, you know. Sure. I mean, you, you can't help but then make that comparison to the, the Holy Grail and, and, and arguably one of the relics that, that has engendered the most interest in terms of its disappearance, searches for it. And uh, these guys bring in what turns out to be a forgery. But at this point, we still don't know what it is. Right. So because- here's my question. Like, what kind of jerk is going to try and deceive the bank of thieves, you know? Like, if there's, like, one place is probably you're going to have trouble pulling over on, I'm thinking it's going to be the Bank of Thieves. Well, it then begs the question, are these guys really thieves? Because, for instance, it doesn't appear that his mother really knows about the Bank of Thieves. I mean, she did go there to steal it, so I, so I guess she knew about it in that regard. So, yeah, but she's so I guess also – I mean, his family is kind of low-level thievery. I, I – I called her a master thief earlier, and that was a misnomer for sure. They're they're small time, you know. They take clothes, a car here and there. You know, they're like very small time. They're, that's the thing where you know they, you know, again the irony. They're like you're not even in our league. They say to Ezekiel, and he's like, "I'm not in your league." <laughs> like he's just dumbfounded. Right. So they might be aware of it, but they're certainly not aware of the implications of stealing from the Bank of Thieves. So it's almost like you said, these guys, they clearly don't know really who it is they're dealing with. But then we find out that Eve, Flynn, and Jenkins have gone on vacation with Santa, though Eve's a bit reluctant, and they're leaving Santa's sleigh at the library for safekeeping. So, uh, I, you know, clever way to get the, the rest of the people a week off from filming, yeah. I suppose. Except <laughs> so that's for John the, the same way that my uh, aunt would leave my cousin and I would let us house sit and keep us in charge of her 67 Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> she didn't right, even so, have to pay us. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we got the three young librarians. They're on their own at Christmas time. You know, as we said, Stone is just fascinated with Santa's sleigh. Cassandra, surprise, surprise, just wants to decorate. 
again, no surprise, her gift to the boys are, are some <laughs> ugly sweaters that she, of course, doesn't see as being ugly. But to their credit, they both put them on. Uh, and I assume they came with batteries because <laughs> they are <Right. laughs> lit up. Well, and, 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 and here's where Lindy Booth just like lights up the screen, right? Especially when she plays Cassandra in her bubbly mood and her excited mood like that. It's just awesome, you know? Like, she will let nothing get in her way. All sarcasm bounces straight off of her. All negativity flees the room. She's just... It's it's so great. Like, it just... Every time she when she... Uh, Get has Cassandra like that. It just it's awesome. So so much fun to watch. Yeah. Now we find out that they are celebrating Thanksgiving Day at the Jones family, and you know they they've got the shrine. Did you notice that with the little yeah. patron saint of thieves littered sure. with price tags of gifts they've <laughs> stolen? Right. So I actually looked up. Like, I guess there is a thing called Thanksgiving Day, but it's actually. Um, on Thanksgiving, in remembering how uh, Europeans took uh, land and everything from the Native Americans. Okay, so it's well, it's, it's not quite as lighthearted as they would have it on the uh, uh, on the librarians, I think. All right, so um, Ezekiel gives his mom a gift that he bought, and of course she's horrified because she can't find the price tag. And, you know, that that's when he starts laying out really what it is he's been doing with his life. And look, we get that when he says, look, I've been saving the world. Okay, we understand that they're not going to believe sure. that. That's that's not believable. Did you uh, hear the uh, hear the Doctor Who reference again? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was that was great. Uh, yeah. When she. uh um, they go into the shed and they end up in the library. And she says, our shed is bigger on the inside. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and you know that, I, I guess basically what, what gets him to that point, I don't want to say she's pushed him too far because that's not fair, but, but I think it's really that, that idea that this is a Christmas episode. He's turned his life around and, and that yes, he steals, but he steals because he's an artist and it's his art form and he does steal from the rich, so to speak, to give to the poor. And he talks about, you know, when I broke into this, uh, you know, and enabled this many schools to be built. When I broke, when I stole this. So the fact that he tells them that and they still mock him and tease him. And that's what leads him to break the librarian's rules and, and bring her to the library. And I, we can understand it, but still you can't go breaking the rules right but you know you know like narratively he has to in order to like jump start the uh the whole episode and, and really to provide the that main narrative thrust of of the relationship of him and his mother and trying to uh put back the paintings that he stole and everything and you know with his mom the second time i watched this kind of at the end i'm like oh it's like a Christmas Carol, right? Because yeah. she is reformed at the end. So, uh, you know, at the beginning, she's a solid thief. She refuses to, you know, see her like her son as being someone capable. They all think he's a duffer, right? They, they, no one thinks he's actually has any talent. They all think he's a goof, and and 
is not you know as I said they, that he's not in their league. Um, but on top of that, you know, the whole concept of of stealing and taking from others and everything is uh, being a bad thing. Like she just doesn't get that at all, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when she's in the library and she sees all these amazing things and and starts putting her hands, he he realizes he's made a mistake, pushes her through. But we see that great visual that she's wedged her foot in the door. And, right. and of course, we know no good is going to come of it. Sure. So Stone still fascinated with the sled, and, and that's when they realize that Jones' mother has stolen not only the magic door, but the magic globe as well. And I love the fact that Jones does not want them to meet his family. <laughs> and then Cassie says, I thought we were your family. Again, another one of those ideas that runs throughout this episode is, is the idea of family. And we've been talking about Joan's family and the rela- relationship he has with them. Dysfunctional as it is, I think he loves them all. They love him. But again, the, the library is the home for these three librarians as well as Flynn, Eve, and and Jenkins. Certainly, they are a family. And, and yeah. you know, we talked last time about whether or not they live there, and I, I guess they do. You know, in the movies though, Flynn had an apartment, didn't he? Can't remember. He started off living at home in the first one, and I, I, I assume he got his own place. Yeah, but they have Olivia Dukakis was his mom, so like, I think they you know they needed her. They wanted to have her in in all the movies and get her some screen time. So they might've kept her at home. I can't remember. I got to go back and I, I just went back and watched the first one. I, I should go back and watch the other two as well. What would what, you make of when he begs Cassandra not to tell Eve who she immediately calls for help? I mean, I, I don't want to say I was disappointed in Cassandra for calling Eve because this is pretty serious. The, the magic door and the magic globe being taken. Right. Well, again, we're talking about them as a family and you got everyone's got the the goody two shoes brother sister who the less than goody two shoes siblings might consider a snitch so cassandra's first thought is probably you know like what would be the right thing to do honestly would be to call baird and to get her in on this and get her help they're able to convince her not to just as like you know like a sibling might say don't 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 tell mom and dad, come on, man, just don't, no, just this one time, don't tell them, come on, you know? Um, and, and she gives in to her loyalty to her siblings over what she probably correctly has surmised to be the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, then the fact that they've got to figure out how they're going to travel 8,000 miles without the magic door. Well... That's yeah. easily solved. <laughs> Stone gets his wish. <laughs> Candy cane key. Stone wearing Santa's goggles. And and again, I, I love the fact that Cassandra is doing her best to act the adult here because <laughs> they are both the stereotypical kid in a candy store. Sure. And Stone, I mean, I, I tell you, he's just about to burst the whole time. He, he's yeah. dealing with Santa's sleigh. but. You know, they get the Jones family home. They're worshiping the patron saint of thieves, as we said, Thanksgiving Day. And Jones learns that his mother uses the magic door to steal a Vermeer painting from the Bank of Thieves, which then sets up and 
I think we even mentioned Ocean's Eleven last week as well, mm-hmm. but it sets up another reverse caper, if you will, not to steal something, but in this case to return it. Yeah, so these guys, Devil and Rogers, they, they like the caper scenes that, you know, they can't get away from that leverage. Yeah, and that's fine because it really works. No, and, I love and, it, and yeah. They, and they don't drag anything out. No, that, no, not at all. Another thing I love about it. Well, yeah, what's like just exactly with last week where they like almost come up with the caper and pull it off within the space of probably like five ten minutes. Uh, so it isn't like the whole setup where you know we see them, you know, all the elaborate plans. They just say, "Okay, we need to get it," and, and then boom, we see them doing it. So she's not aware of, of Ezekiel's notoriety as a thief. And then uh, of course, once they get in and, and, and like you, you know, I, I, I watched this episode twice and, and the scene when they get to the little laser thing that he's got to, uh, to get through. And I, I get that he probably filmed his against a green screen and they added all that, but it, it just, uh, um, well, not the, not the, you know, poo-poo John Kim's abilities, but, you know, there weren't any, like, really close-up shots of the face. I'm thinking, I'm thinking stuntman on this one. Well, I, oh, I guarantee you stuntman. <laughs> I'm just, even even at that, my point is that it, it was, you know, choreographed pretty well, oh, I thought. It was fabulous. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, they get locked in the vault after, you know, an elaborate series of steps to get in. Well, hold on. Just this one thing I got to say here. Why yeah. is there a big red button to shut off the lasers right right there next to him? Well, you know? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> um, they get in, they lock themselves in, and then, of course, they get caught. And, and on the one hand, the patron of thieves is, is pretty impressed that they got as far as they did. She can't keep her mouth shut for anything. But, but there's uh, that one point where the patron of thieves calls Jones mother nothing. And it's almost like, you know, with three stooges slowly, I turn now, you know, he didn't get angry, angry, but really was like a a knife to the heart. And and he takes up for his mother. And it's at at this point that, you know, we learn that the vessel is Santa's sleigh, but we, we learn that there really is that deep connection that he has with his family for all their faults. Yeah. And absolutely. You know, so there's one thing. Did you catch uh, the patron saint of thieves using the voice like in preacher? Well, you know what? It's yes, I did. I I forgot about preacher. I mean, that's certainly something that Lucifer does in in that show as well. So I I, all three shows. I love it. Uh, You know, I I absolutely love it. And and in this case, it was it was perfect again. but we get another reveal right on the heels of the fact that the vessel is Santa's sleigh, and that is that the patron of thieves is Santa's brother and wants <laughs> to destroy the sleigh because if there's no sleigh, there's no Christmas. Which, yeah. which is like, see, dude, come on. <laughs> well, it seems to be kind of counterintuitive because Christmas means there are all these presents around the world just begging to be stolen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't so, think he's thought this one out. Uh, yeah, and I mean, just think about the global economic repercussions of no Christmas, dude. I mean, I don't really think. I, I just feel like he hasn't thought this one through very well. Yeah, yeah. Again, not not that we didn't figure it out once we saw what his siblings look like, but you know, we learned that his mother adopted. Whether she 
officially adopted them all. We don't know, but she certainly took them in. But the little catch here is that the sleigh has to be stolen before it can be gifted. And there's a momentary pause, and the mother steals the key from Ezekiel and gives it to the patron. Now, we're at that point, we're thinking, come on, woman, you, you can't be that stupid. But uh, these people really are out of her league, as yeah, you said. Yeah, now, right. Absolutely. Now, she's, not, she's small times. She's small potatoes. And she's just figuring, oh, well, we'll give them the thing and we'll get to go. She has no idea what she's dealing with, even after all she's seen. I mean, basically, if you're trying to break into a place that has lasers like that around it, uh, you probably have exited your league, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, he's trying to explain to her, it's not that he can't steal. He's chosen not to. Or if he does, it's for the greater good. And, and that line where he says he understands now why the library chose him when you've got a lot you share and and again you mentioned at the top of the podcast that there are a lot of themes in the episode but they don't really hit you over the head with them and and i just the way that evolved i thought was was again was really perfect and not to go off tangent but would this be an episode you'd be afraid for your your young daughters to see you know because we talked about you know revealing the fact about santa yeah. claus for well instance. we're just down to 25 percent of the children are still uh in the believing range so okay um okay and yeah you know, it's it's funny because i think after the you know they kind of cast a little bit of doubt on it uh in the uh, Santa's Midnight Run, um, I think, or Ride, Run, Ride, I can't remember. Um, they, they go out of their way, you know, Ezekiel says, oh, Santa's real. I've met him, you know, like that. So I think for the, you know, because the one sister does say, well, Santa's not real, but, uh, you know, Ezekiel quickly comes back. Oh, he's real. I've met him and everything. So um, I think this one would be okay. Yeah, that's what I thought, and and the fact that the sleigh is there and and it it can you know fly all over the world, yeah, yeah. And I thought again, it, we've said many times, one of the things that's so great about the librarians is that it transcends age. That no matter how old or young you are, you get something great out of it. Sure, absolutely. Now, Cassandra uses magic to project herself in a mirror in Ezekiel's sister's room, and you mentioned A Christmas Carol, and certainly it, it, it pops up again here. <laughs> Cassandra trying to act scary was just Hey, she got priceless. the job done. She I did get the twice. job done. She did. We get a good Jake Stone fight scene, sledgehammer. Dude, and he'll talk about this in the interview as well, he, he can't pick up anything without twirling it. Yeah, right. <laughs> And I even noticed later he twirls the key to Santa's sleigh. Uh huh. So, yeah, that's, so that that's just his thing. Yep. And and then Jenkins gets there, and and we're wondering how this is all going to resolve itself. And he's got the note from Santa gifting the sleigh to his brother, who can't accept it since it wouldn't be stolen now or ever. So. You know, I, I like how there's not going to be any coming back in the future to try to steal Santa's sleigh, at least from the... Yeah, talking about levels of irony, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So they get back to Joan's house. At, no surprise, Cassandra hugs his mom, even though all of this stuff. But as you said, mom seems to have got, uh, undergone a transformation herself. And she says, my son has excellent taste in friends. <laughs> but everybody's back to the library, but Jones isn't done. It's just him and his mother taking back all the gifts she stole. And, and now she gets it. You know, you see all the joy on the faces of these ordinary people for whom it is such a special night. Sure. And the the shout out here, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure they're kind of referencing Nightmare Before Christmas in that scene. Did you ever see that one? I have. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, at the end, you know, when Santa has to kind of go around and set everything right, that uh, I, I some of those shots looked very familiar and I thought were were very similar to the reaction shots of the children and people waking up on Christmas morning to have their their real uh, gifts not the ones that Jack Skellington had left for him so I'm not sure but I think I think there's I, I saw something there yeah and, and and again mom gets to learn that she can derive just as much joy from giving as from taking. And, and there's the uh, Christmas Carol turnaround, right? Yeah, there it is. And then, you know, once back at the library, and again, I forget who says it, nothing beats being with family. You know, I, I guess the, the beauty here is that Jones gets to be with both of his families and, and that they all learn something. And, and certainly, you know, his, his adopted family in Australia, hopefully mom will, you know, impart what she's learned to her three daughters. But again, as you, you said about the siblings rallying together against mom and dad or whatever the case may be, that, that everybody knows Jones broke the rules. But right. we're a family. We'll get through it together and we don't have to tell mom or dad. Right, exactly. I'm saying the two back. people who don't know are, are uh, Flynn and Eve. But wait a minute. Wasn't the sleigh <laughs> pointing the other direction? Right. When I left, and, yep. and I think it's Jenkins that even says, no, no, it's it was this way. You sure? I'm sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I thought this was really good. Ah, uh, loved, it. Th- loved it. Loved it. Now, of the three episodes so far this season, Ooh. this is my favorite. I, I would rank this number one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. Rachel Nichols, you know. Okay. So you go with the, uh, the season premiere episode. Ah, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. It is a tough call. That was a great one. This was a great one. Uh, give this one a solid A for sure. Um, so you know, don't I, I can't. I don't know if I can pick which one I like the most. If I, okay. I guess I, if, you you, know, if you if you made me do it, I'd probably go with the uh, episode one. Okay, I, I was going three one two yeah. as my favorite, but but you wouldn't have to twist my arm very much to go one three two. Right. So which is what I'm uh, saying here. Yeah, either way, though, I, um, I guess I'm a little surprised you're going full on A. I was going A minus, although really? now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm not sure why the minus. Yeah. You're so just grumpy. Maybe I, <laughs> yeah, I'm grumpy that we didn't get to talk about it at Christmas time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Of course, I don't think we talked about season one's Christmas episode anywhere near Christmas. I'd have to go back and look at the, uh, the blog post dates, but... It is. Oh what yeah, it right. Is. Because we so, started the library way after, right? 
Yeah, I don't even remember when anymore. But uh, so any anything else? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm just going to go full on A as well. All right, Dave. Yeah. Uh, so anything? No, I think that's that's about it. Yeah. Oh well, the one thing is like the Bank of Thieves is really more like the Bank of Stereotypes, right? There's the, <laughs> oh, there's the Russians over there and the Chinese <laughs> over there, and you know it's like all of them. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll go ahead and leave it there another enjoyable episode and and uh boy i was looking at my dvr they're backing up in a hurry on the librarians but now that i'm done with downton abbey i can start getting to some of my other shows i finally got caught up on the x files which I, I know you're not watching but that was uh certainly enjoyable to get caught up on but Wayne and I want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear what you think about the librarians, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community, and if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab on the website. And we'll be back next time to talk about Season 4, Episode 4 of The Librarians, titled The Librarians and the Silver Screen. But until then, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night.